You're listening to a podcast of Spurious Morality. And welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Johnston and I'm joined again by Connor. Hello, Connor. Hello. And we're continuing to look at big finish releases uh, while we were released, while we were away in between series, while we were having a few months uh, off podcasting. Uh, and it's it's been really difficult, I think, to narrow down what to talk about because they've released some really, really good stuff. We've had some really enjoyable stuff. Uh, we talked about uh, Beyond Banner and Road last time. We talked about Dark Season last time. Um, but we didn't actually talk about all that much Doctor Who. We talked about the Ninth Doctor stuff. Um, you know, Pioneers was a great set. But we've kind of come back today with a, a few Doctor Who sets we'd like to talk about. Um, and I think that big finishes finally sort of hitting its stride with the box sets the doctor box sets now now the main range has gone the monthly range has gone and within box sets i think last year it kind of got us started and some hit the ground running a little bit more than others uh you know the sixth doctor jumped into new companion new storyline whereas the fifth doctor was kind of maybe held back a bit by the 40 sets which they kind of had to do it was the fifth doctor's 40th anniversary uh, but it kind of got in the way of really getting this box set ever started so one of the sets we are going to talk about today is uh, the fifth doctor adventures conflicts of interest so there will be spoilers for that uh, we're going to talk about the sixth doctor and purity unleashed uh, the fourth doctor uh, series 12 there's two sets there to discuss and uh, a very recent one, the Seventh Doctor set, Far From Home, which I like to think is starting a, a, a sort of trend of naming Seventh Doctor sets after Spider-Man films. <laughs> when are we going to get the amazing Seventh Doctor then? Um, I mean, the Seventh Doctor's amazing in everything, nearly everything. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah... Um, it's we're going to talk about those, so that's your spoiler warning. Um, and I've I've really enjoyed all of these sets. It's it's kind of uh, it is difficult to pick what's been the best Doctor Who from Big Finish so far this year because there's been a lot of great stuff. Not just in these sets, there's been other things as well. Doctors popping up in other things and all sorts of stuff, as there usually is. Um. But I think that this is a good opportunity to have a look at the box sets so far this year, compare them to last year, that kind of thing. So the first one we're going to go for 
is um, one that we were particularly excited about because uh, in between series, we did release a special episode and we were joined by uh, Jacqueline Rayner, who was absolutely fantastic. Uh, she came on and talked to us about the Six Doctor Mel and Hebe stuff, uh, the Six Doctor Adventures as they stand at the moment. Uh, and we released that episode the day before Purity Unleashed came out. Um, and she, she sort of gave us a few tantalising hints that kind of when we went in and listened to the set, the word that, that I don't know about you, Connor, but I definitely had a few moments of, oh, yeah, she did mention that, didn't she, sort of thing, uh, or hinted at it. I know there was... There was uh... I know you can't really point at the screen with audio drama, but there were a few moments where if this had been TV Doctor Who, I'd but I've been leaning forward in my chair and going, That's the thing, that's the thing. Yeah, basically <laughs> recreating the uh Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a that's, Time in Hollywood. Yeah. That is the one. That is that is the very <laughs> one. Um Yeah, I, I, I really, really like this set. Um it it feels the purity arc feels like a wee bit of a throwback to those really early days of Big Finish. Um, that felt really, really obvious in this set. Um, those sort of early, very heavily serialised Evelyn and Hex arcs in particular. And that's helped you know, by Evelyn getting a couple of name drops. I think she's name dropped in this one. Um, she was certainly in the first one as well. Um, it's just really nice to see Big Finish going back to their history with, you know, with this sort of thing. Um. And it's a really, really strong set of stories as well. It's three of my, you know, it's three of Big Finish's very, very strongest writers here um, in in uh, Matthew Sweet, uh, Chris Chapman and Ian Potter, um, all of whom I, I, I love their work. I, I love it so much. Um, Broadway Belongs to Me. Uh, it's a strange choice of opener for the set, I think, but it's a really, really good episode. Um, it's a little bit more standalone than you'd expect, um, but I love that idea of some of the Doctors, you know, spoilers for the set, some of the Doctors' enemies sort of teaming up to try and discredit him, um, which is the whole idea here of getting him, the, the whole thing, this big runaround with this musical and, and Mel appearing in it is is just a big, it's, it's just a, a, a roundabout way of getting the Doctor to have his picture taken, shaking hands with uh, a Nazi. Um, and it turns out that the people behind it are this sort of ragtag group of his least, I think he says it's his least memorable villains. Like, no one knows who they are. Um, and we get that really, <laughs> it appeals to me very specifically, but it's Martin O'Neill, formerly of the Northern Irish football team. Uh, he was their manager. And uh, he, he makes a little cameo appearance in this at the end. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 a great set. I think my highlight would probably be the second one where by Chris Chapman, you get this sort of run, you know, this time hopping adventure, um, chase through history thing with the Doctor and Mel in pursuit of purity and Prof- Professor McBride, and it's just fantastic. It just zips and sings the whole way through. Um, and I remember sitting in the car, listening to this, just the way the characters are interacting, the Doctor arguing with Patricia. The whole arc has just been building up to this sort of thing. Um, and it was absolutely, uh, yeah, it, it feels like it's all starting to pay off. They've done a lot of the groundwork. It's coming to a head now. I'm, I'm a really, really big fan of this. It feels like it's exactly what I want from Big Finish. 
um, that you're getting, you know, th- this build up and payoff, and there's a plan behind it. You know, you can really get the sense that this has been planned and thought out, um, and isn't going to overstay its welcome either. You know, it's not going to take years and years for this storyline to be ended. I think they've already said that the purity arc is going to finish in the next box set. Um, I think it's called Purity Unbound. It's only just recently been sort of the details revealed for it there. Um, but I'm I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah, it's it's really good to see um, this kind of storyline being done at Big Finish, you know, apart from the the kind of obvious uh, implications of the storyline itself, you know, the I guess the ethics of the villain, you know, the villain genuinely, Patricia McBride genuinely doesn't think she's doing anything wrong. She thinks she's making the world better. And the fact that she's being kind of given the power to reshape the world in the way that she sees things, you know, it, it, it's an excellent sort of character study, really. Um, sort of allowing, allowing that kind of character to appear. And we never usually get that kind of villain. A lot of time villains are, moustache twirling or doing it for the money or doing it for the power or all that kind of thing whereas this is genuinely a villain who thinks they're doing the right thing um and it just happens to be that their their view of the world their morality is is pretty horrific really um but it's good to see a storyline a story arc being done in this way across multiple sets you know, the events of one set have a genuine effect on the next. Um, Hebe's missing for pretty much all of this set. She appears in the last few minutes in a not quite restored timeline, um, setting up for the next set, obviously. I do really, really like how that's been handled, how we've been introduced to this new character, how we've grown to like her over two sets, and then she is ripped away by the villain. And all of a sudden, it it feels very, very personal to the Doctor and Mel, um, and it's it's quite nice to have that as a motivation. The Doctor's not just trying to stop evil; the Doctor is trying to get his friend back, and that again is something that we don't see very often. Um, go ahead. What what I think with with Patricia as well, it's I, I might have mentioned this before. Um, on this on this show, but there was one of the previous box sets. It must have been the second in the series, um, which would have been Patricia's. It was it was it was it was Chronomancer, um, where Patricia you know Patricia's mask sort of comes off, and we get you know to see what she's really like. And there's little hints being dropped, and the Doctor says he's noticed them, you know, across the way about her, you know, being, you know, about her basically being, you know, a eugenicist or a want to be eugenicist. Um, there's a bit where she lists off um, about you know the things she considers to be unnatural and should be removed. It's the likes of homosexuality, neurodiversity. There's a couple of others in there as well. Um, maybe it's it's because I I around about that the time that came out, um, I had sort of tried to reconnect with a couple of old friends from school and looked them up on Facebook. Um, one of them. When I went on to his his Facebook timeline, there was this very long list of posts um, uh, that Patricia could have written, um, and this was literally in the same week, the same 
you know, the set had just come out um, and I, I was reading this stuff and I just thought, you know, it might seem, you know, like someone like, you know, in this day and age, like someone like Patricia couldn't really exist, that someone would never go that far. There are people, you know, still out there who do believe the things that Patricia believes in these stories. Um, and I have no doubt that if they were given the resources she's been given in these stories would have no hesitation in doing the exact same thing. You know, it does feel, she does feel like a very, very believable and very, very, I suppose, close to home sort of villain. That's what I'm trying to say there. Yeah, it's, you know, you do see that kind of, uh, you know, bile, I suppose is the right word. Um, thrown across the internet pretty much on a daily basis you know it's it's so easy to find something so in, intensely unpleasant um and i guess that this purity arc is kind of exploring what the the conclusion the inevitable conclusion of that is is you know posting something hateful on the internet is one thing but what if you actually had the power to reshape the world to fit that view and it's actually terrifying when you think about how many people you do see posting hateful kind of stuff and, you know, how how far would they take that, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the fact that that these sets have got us having this conversation, uh, a proof of just how, how sort of good it is, how powerful it is, how well written it is. Um, and yeah, it, it's good to see something so thought provoking coming from Big Finish. Absolutely, absolutely, it has been a, a real joy to go through this series. Um, and I, I hope whatever arc comes next, because I think, I think you know, when we had Jacqueline Rayner on, she said that there's going to be other arcs in a similar sort of style. Um, I, I cannot wait for the next one, and I'm paying a lot more attention to the Sixth Doctor adventures. Uh, than I used to, for sure. I think this is the most essential Sixth Doctor listening there's been since Evelyn, really. I think it's fair to say. I, I, I yes, I would agree. Um, I do really, really enjoy. It's a change of style. I do really enjoy a lot of the Sixth Doctor Constance and Flip stories, but I enjoy them more as standalone adventures that you can drop into. You know, rather than as an ongoing series, it's it's the it's the continuity and the serialization that these have that that appeals to me the most. I think that it 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 it, it makes it worth your while listening to them and investing in them. Um, you know, rather than having you know a, a lot of the times, and and they're perfectly good stories. But a lot of big finish you can drop into do one stories, you know, one or two stories in the box, you know, in whatever box set you've bought, and there's no continuing you know, story arc, there's no, you know, that's a fine format, but it's this sort of thing that gives me the most satisfaction, I think, where you're invested, you've followed a story, and it's building up over a long period of time. Um, it's 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 the most rewarding sort of experience I think I have with Big Finish. Yeah, I'd agree, absolutely. And it's, I suppose, really, I just want to finish by saying that We've talked about how thought-provoking and how dark these sets are. They are intensely enjoyable as well. Um, there's an awful lot to enjoy. They are genuine 
rip-roaring proper Doctor Who adventures. Uh, it, it's not like the usual enjoyment you get from Doctor Who has been sacrificed for this story arc. It is still there. It's still present. Uh, Broadway belongs to... Was it Broadway belongs to Mel? Or me? I I, I think it was Broadway belongs to me. Um, but I think that maybe Mr. Trick for not calling it Broadway yeah. Belongs to Mel. For some reason, I had it in my head that it was called Broadway Belongs to Mel, which is a great idea. Uh, Broadway Belongs to Me, um, it's it's hilarious. And I have to admit, I kind of got to it and um, sort of within perhaps the first 10 minutes sort of found that I wasn't enjoying it as much as I could be. And I thought, oh, no, maybe maybe Matthew Sweet's finally got a little bit too indulgent like Matthew Sweet should always be indulgent when writing I don't think anyone would argue with that because the result is always magnificent but um, I just thought oh no maybe this is a bit too much but then as the story unfolded and I kind of got an idea of what it was doing and where it was going um, I, I just fell in love with it and any doubts I had were kind of gone by the halfway mark and by the end I think it was perhaps one of the funniest Big Finish releases there's ever been. The whole concept of the Doctor's Z-list enemies teaming up to destroy his reputation um, and him not remembering who any of them are. It, it was just brilliant. It was it was an excellent bit of comedy writing. Um, and yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. So there is still a lot of fun to be had in these sets, even though they are dealing with such a heavy subject matter. Just as an aside, before we move on, um, I have never yet seen any of his interviews on the collection sets. Um, I'm planning a massive run-through of those nearer to the anniversary, um, the 60th anniversary in November. Um, I can't wait to get into them, but I feel I need to do a little bit of a Matthew Sweet marathon um, of, of his big Finnish stories as well. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a damn good marathon to do. There is some great, great stuff in there, some great Jago and Lightfoot. Uh, Year of the Pigs, a lot of fun. But yeah, we'll move on. And we will move on to um, the, uh, well, so far this year's only, but this year's first Fifth Doctor set, which was Conflicts of Interest. And I want to talk about one story in particular uh, from this one, actually, which I found to be really, really enjoyable. And that was uh, Friendly Fire by John Dorney. Um Somebody else we've had on this podcast, of course. I, I feel as though we need to keep name dropping every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so it was John Dorney's story, and it's. I've said this many times before. When I see John Dorney's name on a uh, sort of announcement, I kind of think, "Yep, I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be a good story. It's going to be something I enjoy. I really do enjoy what John Dorney writes," um, and I think. John Dorney on a bad day is still absolutely excellent. But this was not John Dorney on a bad day. This was John Dorney on a very good day. Um, So this is when the new boxer era started to experiment with um, three-parters. And I think this story works very well as a three-parter. I think that it's it does have that kind of very clear beginning, middle and end. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It could have been a four-parter. It could have been padded out a bit and we could have got that extra bit. But actually, 
I think it benefits from just being that sort of half an hour shorter um, than it would have been if it was a monthly range adventure a couple of years ago. Um, what did you think of Friendly Fire, Connor? I really, really liked it. Um, I'm, 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 I'm the same as yourself. I'm a really big fan of the three part format for these. Um, and it's something we can talk about with the new Seventh Doctor adventures as well, because they go down the same route. Um, I, I remember watching Survival for the first time and being a little bit disappointed that it ended. You know, Doctor Who ended on a three parter. You know, it felt wrong. Um, you know, going into it, but I actually really, really like it. It doesn't ever, uh, you know, it doesn't outstay its welcome at any stage. It gives you that sort of neat three, you know, three act structure, uh, which is, you know, probably quite traditional, but it's traditional for a reason because it works. Um, and it just, it makes the story feel a little bit neater, more compact. There's no, there's no time being wasted here at any stage because there's no time to waste. Um, it just moves along um, at a nice pace and you get this nice, perfectly rounded story in three parts. So I'm a really, really big fan of that format. Um, and I'm a big fan of this story as well. Um, I really, really enjoy that it's not some universe ending threat. It's not the stakes are no bigger than the doctor and his companions need to stay alive. Um, you know, they get dropped into this dangerous environment with some very dangerous people. And it's not that there's an enemy to fight. There's no cause, you know, behind them here. They're just fighting for their own survival. Um, they're just trying to get through this um, with their, you know, with their skin intact. So I, I really like that sort of story. Um, it's a great sort of pulpy feel, you know, for the 1980s team, for the for the fifth Doctor, Nissa and Tegan. Um, I, I, I really like that sort of tone and feel to a story. Um, and it's it's very, very well put together, very, very well acted. Um, also really, really loved the music in this one. Um, very reminiscent of the, you know, the Fifth Doctor's era, um, that sort of 80s synth sound. But it feels modern and up, modern and up to date as well. Um, it just really, it works really, really well. I, I definitely will go back and revisit that music suite at some stage. See, I've heard a few people say that the music was a bit overpowering. And while it was sort of... It was definitely prominent, but I think it, it fit in with the story quite well and kind of really contributed to the atmosphere and the world building that was going on. Like, it's the whole sort of... It was kind of like a Western in space, sci-fi Western setting. Um, it, said, it kind of reminded me of, very slightly, of the, uh, the Borderlands games, uh, the sort of advanced society but it's also a bit western and sort of barely clinging to existence it's falling apart that kind of thing um obviously didn't have the humor of borderlands but very sort of that sense of social decay sci-fi social decay i guess was there and i quite like that yes uh that's 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 sort of um, I said this to you just before we started recording there, but it, it reminded me very much of um, that little town Cobb Vanth leads in the Mandalorian. Yes. Um, it's that sort of it's that sort of lived in sci-fi, very very beaten up, um, dust and wind swept world. Um, 
that sci-fi does incredibly well, um, and it's 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 an aesthetic that I always love and find very easy to visualize. Um, just makes things feel a little bit more on the edge. That sort of pioneer, you know, remote, uh, no real society or or support net to fall back on. Um, it's 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 very very effective. I do understand what people say about you know the music feeling overpowering. I don't think it did so much in this story. I definitely noticed it more in uh, the Edge of the War, which is the second story in the set, uh, where a lot of the dialogue seemed quite you know the, the lower volume and the music you know was quite high. So I did struggle a little bit at times just to uh decipher what was going on because the voices were so quiet at times and the music was quite loud but that was more of a thing with the edge of the war than friendly fire yeah it's it's a funny one whenever it gets mentioned i think because i think some of the music is it's not that it's loud and overpowering it's just that it's memorable it 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 stands out um which has its advantages and disadvantages, I guess. But I certainly didn't have a problem with it in uh, Friendly Fire and thought it really enhanced the story. Okay, we shall move on. Uh, and we shall move to the fourth Doctor, um, who's had a couple of sets out in the last few months. So the fourth Doctor Adventures series 12 uh, which finally, Margaret, we've had Margaret as a full-time companion. Um, she joined in Ice Heist and stayed all the way through to the Ghost of Margaret. And it, it's it's kind of nice to have that. It's another series. It's another era within an era. And I do like it when um, the Fourth Doctor Adventures does this. You know, it's great to have an extra season with Leela and you know, that kind of thing or... Uh, but it's when they kind of build something else in there. So, you know, we've got the Ankelso season. We've got this with Margaret. And I'd even argue perhaps the sort of further e-space adventures in uh, season nine or series nine. Um, it's when the fourth Doctor adventures really shine. It's when they're, they're really adding to sort of the fourth Doctor's life, I guess, adding another little era into it. Um, to talk to us a bit about the Fourth Doctor Adventures series twelve, what were your highlights? I'm a really, really big fan of this series. I have sung its praises, um, you know, all that week it came out. Um, so the first set uh, was uh, New Frontiers, which I enjoyed. Um, I, I think Ice Heist in particular was my favourite out of those two stories. But it's Angels and Demons. It's the second box set here, which has the bulk of the stories in it. There's four stories in this set, which is very unusual um, these days for Big Finish. Um, in fact, with every other range, I think it's probably borderline impossible. Um, but so it, it, that you know makes this feel like a really, really chunky set. You know, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck here. Um, but the stories are all of them absolutely fantastic. Uh, the Wizard of Time, you know, kicking things off, is not at all your standard Fourth Doctor adventure. It feels very, very uh, new, very, very uh, experimental. Is maybe not the word, but it feels a little bit more out there than the than than the Fourth Doctor's usual sort of story. Um, uh, a little bit fairy tale. Um, and, and a lot of it's it's sort of based around. Uh, 
what I felt was our, you know, we as the listeners, it sort of plays on our nostalgia for stories. You know, the it's uh, the little series of novels, and you know, the, the the one of the characters has written and it's called Dark Forever. It's very clearly meant to be a stand-in for the Target novels, um, and that there's 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 an image on the on the cover which is very reminiscent of some of the Target novels, um, but it sort of plays into the listeners' nostalgia for, you know watching or reading or listening to Doctor Who um, when we were, you know, younger or, or over years gone by and sort of uses that as, as an element within the story. So that I really enjoyed. The highlight, though, is it's difficult to pick between Stone Cold and The Ghost of Margaret. Um, Stone Cold's fantastic because you're getting this new series monster in a fourth Doctor-style story. Um in a way that feels entirely natural. Um, there's a version of this where Stone Cold doesn't have the Weeping Angels on the cover, and we, you know, as listeners, go into it not knowing the Weeping Angels are in it because it builds up to that reveal very, very well um, and very, very effectively. But it's 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 that last episode just feels really, really tense and dangerous. Um, and it, it 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 goes. It does the right thing by putting Margaret in danger, in a story just before you know. We as listeners know that there's a story just after this called the Ghost of Margaret. So you do feel like something can happen to her. You know nothing's going to happen to the Doctor. Nothing's going to happen to Leela because they are established characters. We know what happens to them in the TV series. Um, but Margaret, you know, gives you Margaret and and by extension, you know, original characters and original companions give us the opportunity as listeners to end up on the edge of our seats because we don't have any foreknowledge of what's going to happen to them. There's stakes involved there, uh, and that's what Stone Cold did so well. Yeah, I think it really did a good job of playing into that. Uh, like I was saying, you know, when, when we do get these new characters, there is kind of another element added, and I think you're right. It's that level of danger. It's... In a in a normal fourth Doctor and Leela story, as you say, we know they're safe. But Margaret being there in that situation, and it, it's it's a pretty horrible story for Margaret. You know, she goes through an awful lot. It's an unpleasant experience for her. Um, and I think that's just handled so well, and um, it's I like the fact that it's. It's enough for Margaret. That's the point where she goes, actually, I don't like this anymore. I want to go home because the Weeping Angels are particularly un- unpleasant creatures. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it really was a good story. Um, it's hard to pick a favourite. It's very hard to pick a favourite from that, that second set. Um I, I did find that the the Wizard of Time it it reminded me of a companion chronicle almost or maybe a short trip it was kind of a super long short trip uh, that was full cast and everything else um, but it, it was very enjoyable uh, the friendly invasion great story really strong stuff from Chris Chapman uh, who we've had on this podcast <laughs> who have we not mentioned who have we had on that we haven't mentioned so far Rob uh, Valentine. Rob he was on this time. podcast, you know. <laughs> and, and Joe Lister as well, Joseph Lister. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've been on this podcast. Have I? Yeah, Never. Yes. Yeah, I've been on this podcast. Um, 
Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, it's the second Chap- series, and we've gone all self-indulgent. This was this was always going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like the idea of when we get to series ten, like I I can just come on as a special guest. <laughs> uh, I don't know who'd be running it. I don't know who'd be you know doing all the editing and stuff. But yeah, I can come back on as a special guest, and it can be a really big thing. <laughs> like they can actually cut. They can call the episode bigger than Lidster. Um, this is where <laughs> this is. I was just going to say this is the point in the episode where you see the engagement just drop off. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, let's let's try not to lose all of our listeners. Um, so yeah, the friendly invasion was a great story. It was kind of a. It, it's it's a bit of World War Two that's not really looked at uh, a lot at all, which is obviously. American troops being in the UK. And this is the second story Chris Chapman has written that is set in a bit of World War II that you don't normally look at. Um, Because he did the... Oh, come on, Johnston, what's it called? Scorched Earth. Scorched Earth, thank you. I was like, burning something, fiery, burning... (laughs) Uh, uh, But he also did uh, Scorched Earth. Uh, which was kind of set, you know, just after the liberation of France. And it's, it, you know, dealt with stuff that a lot of historical dramas, films, etc. don't look at. Um, and I, I really like that. It's a very, very sort of interesting thing to dig into. Such a significant, huge part of history, but kind of the, the lesser talked about bits of it. Um, and I, I do think it was sort of a really effective atmospheric story it was two parts it kind of got going really really quickly uh there was a nice little bit of setup and then the doctor and leader arrive and it gets weird and uh yeah i really liked how that sort of went how that was formatted uh stone cold there have been a million brilliant things said about it as there should be it's it's excellent um it sort of surprises me really how well the weeping angels work on audio because theoretically they're they're a very very visual villain they don't talk there's no angel dialogue really okay they occasionally nick somebody's vocal cords or whatever it is that happened in uh flesh and stone but really it's it's such an interesting idea and it's so brilliantly weird how well it it does translate to audio so i I do like big finishes weeping angels adventures i you know they do work really well um and that they're just a fantastic villain to start with they're they're easily the the greatest doctor who creation since uh 2005 um i don't think there are many people that would argue with that um if somebody wants to tweet me and explain to me why it's the absorbable off then feel free (laughs) but um, meanwhile I'm going to assume that it's the angels that win Uh, and then we have the ghost of Margaret which is really an absolutely beautiful sort of departure story uh, for a character who we really have come to love over the course of the I mean was it seven stories that she's in in total Um, I liked the sort of the teaser that we got in Ravencliff Witch, like when the Doctor first meets her, and I like the idea of the Doctor going back and picking her up later on when he's with Leela, and uh, you know the the Margaret Leela 
sort of friendship is something beautiful as well. Um, it's an excellent dynamic. Um, and yeah, it, it's, I like the fact that Margaret gets a proper exit. And I also like the fact that the Doctor and Leela stay with her for a bit. They're kind of forced to. They've no choice. But it, it's it's nice to see that she's one of the very, very few people the Doctor will stick around for. Um, and it's it, it's brilliantly done. And I think in some ways there was kind of a a hint of... We, we keep harking back to Evelyn in this episode, but there's kind of a hint of um, thicker than water, how the Sixth Doctor refused to say goodbye to Evelyn properly and then sort of revisits her later and kind of deal with that. The Ghost of Margaret does something similar at the start of the story. The Doctor goes and doesn't say goodbye properly and he kind of has to face the consequences of that. Um, and it's, yeah, it's beautifully done. It's a great little story. Um, I think if I had to pick a favourite, I would have to go with Stone Cold, though. I think that just the Fourth Doctor and Weeping Angels and a TARDIS team at the absolute height of the powers, a really good TARDIS team at the height of the powers. Yeah, I I, I would be very, very hard-pressed to pick a, a favourite between Stone Cold and the Ghost of Margaret. Um, Ghost of Margaret, you know, the Doctor lets Margaret down really, really badly here. Um, you know, she wants to get home. You know, this is familiar ground, you know, about the Doctor failing to get his companions back to where they need to be. Um, but it's it's sort of what happens with Sarah Jane, but with menaces here. You know, it's 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 Margaret left somewhere that's not quite her home, where she's in really serious danger, and where the Doctor and Leela have a really hard time getting back to her. Um, and and it involves them sacrificing the TARDIS. And the scene where the Doctor communicates with the TARDIS to ask her permission to do it is absolutely superb. Tom Baker is... This is maybe one of Tom Baker's best performances as the Doctor full stop, never mind just a big finish. Um, he he plays the Doctor's... Um, you know, horror, and he's, 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 he's absolutely mortified that this has happened. Um, and he's really, really desperate to get back to Margaret to the extent that he sacrifices the TARDIS. Um for at least a time. So that's that gets a massive thumbs up from me. Um but then you on the flip side of all that, you know, the first episode is is as I say that got wrenching horror. The second episode has this really, really tender story um between Margaret and Ray, which is entirely believable. And every single actor in this story sells it. Um it's superbly done, superbly written, superbly acted. I I adored this um it was an absolute joy to listen to um and again as you've said it gives us that closure it gives us a companion exit story um which between this and between the purity arc wrapping up i am very very happy with because over the last couple of years we've had a couple of big finished story arcs and companion stories that are still open-ended you know we still don't know what's happening with constance and flip i know that's out of big finishes hands um, but we still don't know what's happening with Ace and Mel. I, I worry that, that uh, Liv and Helen are maybe going to go in the same direction because we're not getting new stories with them this year, which is the first time that's happened in a long time. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased they're going to do something a little bit different with the Eighth Doctor, um, but I, Liv and Helen are, are um, you know, probably my two most favourite companions of all time, um, and I don't really want that story arc left on a thread. I would like some closure there as well. 
Um, but that's a tangent. What I'm saying is the ghost of Margaret, you know, putting Margaret, giving her an ending, which I think is probably only a temporary ending. I think she is coming back at some stage. Um, there's going to be a, a fourth Doctor and Margaret series without Leela, I think, at some stage. Uh, I might be misremembering that, but I, 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 I hope not because I, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I, don't, um, I don't recall reading that, but I sincerely hope it's true. I think it was. I think it was when they announced they said there was going to be a series of Margaret and Leela, and then there would be a later series with Margaret on her own with the Doctor. Oh, oh I thought it was just Margaret popping up in Ravencliff Witch, and then. <laughs> meeting them again later with leader i thought that that's what it was i might be wrong I might, i'll have to look this up um but i had always thought that was going to be a margaret I, series oh i suspect you are but i hope you're not i'd be all over a full margaret oh, series no. but... i'll have to look at it i'll look that up and get back to you listeners before the end of the episode i've, I've a horrible feeling that the Ravencliff witch is the is the solo margaret you know what it is you know, do you know what if that if that if this is the end it's a it's a brilliant ending yeah, um, and I like I like that we don't. I say we get closure on Margaret. We we don't know what happens between her and and Ray in the end. It's left up to us in our imaginations. Brilliant, perfect ending. We don't need that information. It can be absolutely left in our heads for us to imagine and and enjoy our own version of. Um, that's fun. That's top marks. Fantastic, brilliant ending. Brilliant series. Strong, no doubt in my head, strongest run of four DAs of, of Fourth Doctor Adventures. Rather, um, I will definitely revisit this many, many times in the years to come. Oh, absolutely. Likewise, um, I do have to say though, like when you mentioned last week that uh, that this may be your favourite Fourth Doctor series, I still prefer Series Nine. I still prefer that that E Space run with Roman Radrick and K Nine. Um, uh, but uh, it it's you know it's an excellent company. Uh, it's it's a very 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 high bar, and I think this probably is the closest the Fourth Doctor Adventures have come to hitting it. Uh, outside of that series, we'll move on. We'll move on to the last the last set we're going to talk about today, and this is a late edition. This is uh, actually it's come out within I think the last week um, of us recording this. So by the time you hear it, it'll be just under two weeks um but it is the seventh doctor adventures uh no way home oh no that's not the one far from home <laughs> yeah the seventh doctor adventures homecoming um that's so... that's gonna be the, that's gonna be naomi and harry's last set isn't it they're gonna call it homecoming <laughs> they really should so I I know that a few people are kind of looking at this set and going, well, why is Harry Sullivan travelling with the Seventh Doctor? We don't need that. He's a... I don't care. We're getting more Harry Sullivan. Harry Sullivan is one of the best characters in Doctor Who ever, and um, they've they've recast him absolutely brilliantly. Uh, it's it's one of Big Finish's most successful recasts, and it's giving. Such a wonderful character, a second lease of life. Uh, Christopher Naylor is a great Harry. And I'm all for this kind of being... It's kind of the third um, act in this post-Android Invasion Harry story. We've not had the first act yet. That's the next series of Fourth Doctor Adventures. Um, 
the second act is the unit nemesis sets, which the conclusion of is coming up uh, within the next week or two, I think. Um, so this is this is kind of the end of the story, and we're kind of getting the end of the story almost first. Uh, but I think it works. I think it's great that the Seventh Doctor has reconnected with Harry and well Naomi as well. We're going to obviously hear Naomi and the Fourth Doctor in the future. Um, and it's I, I enjoyed last year's set. I enjoyed Sullivan and Cross AWOL. I thought that it set up the dynamic quite nicely. Um, I really enjoyed London Orbital as a story. Uh, and it's I, I think there's a lot of potential to this TARDIS team, and I think that we've kind of seen it um properly in this set. I think that we've kind of unlocked that potential in this set. So the last set, last year's set, was all about introducing this TARDIS team and establishing them and moving the characters to where they needed to be. This one feels a lot more like business as usual for this this dynamic. Um, so the first story, Operation Dusk, I was instantly blown away by it. I listened to it and just thought, oh, this is this is really what I want from Doctor Who. It's... It's a proper sort of World War Two conspiracy thriller. Um, I I sort of posted on Twitter that it's it, it's kind of a combination of all the best bits of The Empty Child and uh, Countermeasures, uh, and it's actually inspired me to go and listen to Countermeasures again. It it just sort of has that sort of espionage, London espionage feel to it that made me want to go back to countermeasures. So that's what I'm listening to at the moment. I'm listening to the original four countermeasures sets and it's come from listening to this story. Um, it's a Vashta Narada story, but it's it's full of really kind of vivid imagery, easy to conjure up in the mind, um, you know, a, a luminescent alien species and um, kind of a weaponized version of Vashta Narada, which has been sort of looked at before. Um, Classic Doctor's New Monsters kind of explored that. But I think that here, the seventh Doctor in a dark, noiry World War II thriller with Vashta Narada, oh, it's fantastic. It's a great setup. And Harry gets to be a spy, and it just it, it just feels really good. It feels like everything's just in the right place for this story. Um, what did you think? I really, really love this set, um, both stories. Um, to backtrack slightly, yes, I, I, I enjoyed that first set as well. London Orbital was copying, I think I said at the time, London Orbital, London Orbital you know, is, is copying massively from Neverwhere. Neverwhere is one of my favourite stories ever. Um, so that's a big plus. Um, I think these stories have a lot more respect for Harry than his... You know, original TV run did. He's not quite the bumbling oaf he used to be. Um, so that gets a big plus from me as well. But um, these two stories in particular, um, just to home in on Operation Darkness, uh, first of all, um, feels a lot like Subterfuge, which was the previous uh, couple of years ago, Seventh Doctor story with The Meddling Monk, which I've always enjoyed, but I've always enjoyed it sort of in spite of what what you know it, it it's not a perfect story i think there are flaws there um but i i still really really enjoy it i, I love the monk 
Um, this feels a lot like subterfuge, but it's hitting the right notes a lot more often. Um, it has um, that that fantastic espionage spy thriller feel you mentioned, um, that noirish take on the Vashta Narada, which works really, really well. Um, they are terrifying as that slightly more cerebral villain as they are here, like them talking through the radio to their victims um, is... is 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 brilliant but this story also does something else and i am going to go into full spoiler territory here and anyone who has not heard the new seventh doctor set go and listen to it now and then come back and resume this podcast um is we get this bait and switch sort of thing where uh, the vashta narada are are you know mentioned they were put in the press release as, as this story was pitched as the seventh doctor meets the vashta narada but then in the third episode, we get this reveal that the actual villains here is not the Vash Narada, it's the Forge um, from the Seventh Doctor Ace and Hex run. I gasped. It's not very often. Now, a lot of big finish releases these days put their you know villains on the cover. It's in the press release. It's, it's, it's pitched to you ahead of time. You don't very often get a surprise reveal anymore like this. I properly gasped. It is one of the most exciting things to happen um, in Big Finish this year. Um, possibly, you know, in my personal experience of listening to Big Finish, one of the most exciting things full stop. Um, I was absolutely delighted to hear them back. Um, and I'm a, as I said earlier, I'm a really, really big fan of Big Finish reaching back into their own earlier history and bringing back their own original creations, their own original companions and monsters. Um, and villains so massive massive plus for that it it was it it made my day to hear the forge back they're amazing villains um i will always be up for more of them um and naomi's arc as well i really really liked it's not it's definitely the b side to operation darkness's a side um but that diminishes you that 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 diminishes it more than it deserves it's a really very neatly done story um i really really loved the doctor's interaction with um i've forgotten the names there was the immaturity which was the younger ones um i've unfortunately forgotten the name of the older side of the of that species but it's the doctor's relationship with their sort of grand marshal character their sort of elder uh, or leader um they sort of have this mind meld contact where the doctor almost tries to hypnotize her to get her to go back for the TARDIS, uh, which has been lost. Um, and he and Harry have been rescued and brought aboard their ship. Um, the way those two characters, you know, the way the Doctor and this later elder character interact is very, very engaging listening. Um, the way the two of them work together to bring the TARDIS back from its sort of semi-destruction is, is, is gorgeously done. Um, and I, 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 I really, really liked. I just really liked the whole story. It's, it's, it's a great idea. It, it plays out very well. It's maybe a little bit convenient that you know Naomi is shot off in a random direction, and the Doctor and Harry are sh- shot off in another, and they happen to meet this, you know, the two halves of this species that are trying to reunite themselves. Um, but I don't care. It's a great story. Um, and it's 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 a lot of fun to listen to. I'll definitely definitely come back to this one soon. Yeah, I think 
I think this run is really building up to be something special. I think, you know, as long as we get a few more sets that are, you know, on par with this, uh, I think it's going to probably be remembered as, as a pretty decent run. Um, just going back to, you were talking about the, the Forge reveal. Um, I actually said brilliant out loud while listening to it. And thankfully, I wasn't on public transport at the time. I was in my kitchen <laughs> cooking. But I kind of feel as though if I was sat on a tram, my reaction would have been exactly the same. And I'd have had a lot of people looking at me quite oddly because I'd just gone, oh, brilliant, um, at the Seventh Doctor saying The Forge. Um, yeah, it, it, it was just, it, it, it was the perfect way to round off a brilliant story. Uh, as I said previously, it kind of, I think it took quite a lot from The Empty Child, but if you're going to take a lot from a Doctor Who story, that must surely be one of the first ones you should pick. Um, it's not just a, it's set in World War II thing. You know, as you say, there were villains talking through the radio and all this kind of thing. It's, it really did borrow from that story, but it borrowed in an incredibly good way and sort of forged its own tale. It wasn't just a, a remake, as it were. I genuinely can't get over the forge. I know I've, I've waxed lyrical about the forge being back and how brilliant that is. Uh, you know, I've done that a lot already here, but it still feels surreal to hear them again or to hear, you know, this version of them again. Um, and in retrospect, it feels totally obvious. You know, uh, you know, it's uh, it sort of harks back to their involvement in the wars, uh, which was a, a thing with No Man's Land uh, in the original Hex run. Um, uh, but because their whole their story was done, we'd heard the forge at sort of every point in their history. I didn't expect to ever hear from them again. It's an absolute delight to do so. You know, that's I, brilliant. I, I think we need a a forge podcast episode in the not too distant future. Yeah, I think so. I think um, so. And that gives me the excuse to listen to a lot of very excellent stories. <laughs> on the way because yeah. genuinely I, I can't think of a bad forge story I, i've enjoyed everything that they've they've even been mentioned in um and i definitely think we should get more of that and i'd i, I have to admit I'd, I'd quite like the idea of sort of finding out what the forge were up to when the third doctor was on earth uh in the 70s or was it 80s unit dating joke ha ha um <laughs> uh, yeah they never I, get I, old do they no absolutely not um yeah i quite like to find out sort of what the forge were doing i guess i also quite like to find out what torchwood were doing then and we sort of got a hint of that earlier in the year with double um i guess we got 70s torchwood but it kind of didn't relate to what was going on in any way. It was just after Spearhead from Space. That's kind of all we can take from it. Um, they get mentioned in a book as well, actually. They are in, it's one of the Twelfth Doctor novels. Um, Calvin Scott, The Shining Men or The Shining Man. I can't remember what the exact title was, um, but it was one of the Series 10 ones. Um, he meets a character who lives in a bus um, and the Doctor mentions Iris Wildtime. And then in the same breath, they talk about Torchwood of the Forge. Um, which I think I read uh, before I seriously got into Big Finish. Um, I must have been in, I must have listened to some Big Finish by that stage, but I had never got anywhere near the Forge. Um, 
so that was my first memory of hearing about them, and it's it's been very very cool because when we listened to those that hex run really over the last year or so, um, certainly the later parts of it with the forger are a bit more prominent. Um, it's very very cool to catch up on all this, you know these these stories that came out before I was a big Finnish fan. Um, and it's very, very cool to get stories with them popping up now where I do know who they are and I can get this excited about them. I have to confess that on my bookshelf, Unread, sits Project Valhalla, which is the Forge book. Um, that I think it's a big finished book, I think, actually. It is, I think it's on the website. Yeah. Or it was, of um, one stage. I think I nabbed it in one of their last few copies available sales on a sort of I'll read it at some point basis and then I've meant to re-listen to all the Forge stuff and I haven't done so yeah I definitely think give it a few months time and we'll have a Forge podcast episode good to go but I've got to get through other stuff first like countermeasures because we are doing an episode on that in the not too distant future all right well, that, that was another set of big finish releases from while we were away, while we were offline and not podcasting for a few months. Um, I don't feel like we've caught up at all, really, but we have at least talked about some of our favourite things Big Finish have put out over the last few months. Um, next week, we're going to be back with... Uh, we're going to continue season by season. Uh, we're going to have a look at season eight of Classic Doctor Who. So the master finally arrives in season by season. Um, and then we're going to be back in a few weeks to discuss other audio-y, Doctor Who-y things, aren't we, Connor? Indeed, indeed. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've, we've got plenty coming up. Um, so, yeah, it's been good having a bit of a bit of a big finish early 2023 catch up with you uh, so thank you for joining me connor thank you very much it's been a pleasure and we shall be back very very soon for more spodcasting goodbye now goodbye.